Looking for work, better pay, better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. now for The Drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis. Welcome into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. It's me. I'm a lonesome here uh, today, but we've got a full show None uh, the less, I am a very full show. Uh, in fact, Luke's going to call in here in just a couple of minutes. We're going to talk a little bit about this weekend, uh, both uh, the basketball side of it and obviously the festivities uh, that are going to be circling around honoring the 2013 team. Uh, anything to make me not think about that game tomorrow, it's going to be rough. Well, it can be rough if they're not careful. But we are going to preview that game. So Luke's going to call us here in just a couple of minutes to talk for a little while with him at 3.30. Caroline Darney, we've had her on multiple times here before. She's one of our favorites to talk about Virginia stuff with, if we have to. So we're going to talk with her at 3.30. And then we haven't, you know, the schedule has been weird uh, this year to where it has not worked out at all uh, for us to have Jeff on, Jeff Walls on. I have to be careful now, don't I? It just occurred to me. You know, I usually say Jeff, and I'm just always talking about Jeff Walls, and now we've got Jeff Brom and Jeff Walls. I've got to be more careful. Uh, but we haven't had Jeff Walls on very often uh, this basketball season just because of sort of things moving around uh, in our own schedules. But Jeff's going to be on at four, and they seem to be rounding into form quite a bit here. Uh, now some, some things emerging, uh, and they've got a whole bunch of tough games here ahead of them uh, to round out this season. So some opportunities, I think, to sort of round that resume into form uh, by, the, by the time the ACC tournament gets here. Uh, but we will talk with him at 4 o'clock. And then we haven't talked to Andrea in a while. And we love Andrea. We love having Andrea on any time uh, that we can. And so we're going to. We'll talk with Andrea Adelson at 5. So we've got a full one. We'll give you guys some opportunities to uh, to get in there in between all of that and react uh, to things uh, going on today. I have to say I listened to uh, a lot of, uh, of Diener – Blanket Baker this morning, and outside of the part where Mark was advocating for animal sacrifice, it's pretty good, pretty good this morning. And in particular, I feel like I, I want, and I can't wait to hear what Luke has to say about this. But I just want to give everybody a uh, a pat on the back for what I feel like has been a better than I uh, than I was fearing discourse about this uh, the the alternate banner that's going to go up. I truly uh, feared uh, that we would get just a an angry auto-rejection of that. And I have to say, I have not seen nearly as much of that as I thought I would see. And I think the fact that they uh, that UofL's been smart enough to, to make sure that everybody knows this wasn't some sort of half-assed thing that they thought of 
and that this was actually the product of doing the very thing people want, which is trying, making efforts, making overtures, uh, negotiating, quite frankly, with the NCAA to get something of a recognition up for what that 2013 team did. It's there. And I think that that has been helpful to folks. I know Jay Billis has sort of joined the recent cause. I know there was at least a short time uh, where it kind of felt like if Jay Billis got on Twitter about something, it would happen. Uh, and we're not quite uh, to that place yet. But, man, if, if, if he still had that magic touch, uh, that would be wonderful. Uh, but it is kind of funny when, you know, if you're not, like, immersed in these waters and, and learning to think in the, the sort of weird legalistic way uh, that the NCAA does, it's kind of hard uh, to wrap your mind around the logic uh, that is often used in these things. But we're talking about an acknowledgement and a celebration of the 2013 team, the national championship team from 2013. And I do know this person was on that team and was a pretty important part to that team. That's our that's our co-host, Luke Hancock. Luke, how are you, buddy? Doing all right? I'm great, man. How are you? I'm doing uh, wonderful. Luke, what's, what's this been like uh, for you guys, knowing that this uh, it's been 10 years? Uh, the celebration sort of coming together. You guys may be talking with one another about who's going to be there and that sort of thing. What are your your feelings about this weekend and how that's going to be for you guys? Yeah, um, well, first thing, I think it's pretty cool, the university not having anybody really around from leadership that was there when we were there, um, for them to still want to bring us back and to try a lot of different things to um, get us recognized, and they've been really nice with, you know, trying to see that any of the little things they can do to make us feel more welcomed. Um, they're very excited for it, and I think their um, just just optimism and excitement for this weekend kind of has made me feel better and better about getting the crew back together. Um, I know this basketball season might not be going exactly the way we would want, but there's going to be a lot of positivity. It's going to be great to see the guys. That's what I'm most looking forward to. And then, you know, their recognition, I, I just – they didn't have to do that, and um, you know it's it's uh, it means a lot that they have put in so much time and effort and, and extra energy to to make us feel welcome this weekend. So we're excited. You know, look, I, I think it was a was it was it a Wisconsin player like several years ago that basically kind of broke down after they got eliminated from the tournament. It was like I'm going to miss going out to dinner with these guys. You remember that? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I, and so I was kind of wondering, like, what was your favorite part, maybe, of that group? That wasn't just like playing basketball on the basketball court. Like, was there something sort of like that where you're like, you look back on that kind of more fondly than maybe you realized it at the time? Well, I'm not going to put it as uh, eloquently as you know. I'm going to miss going to dinners, <laughs> but uh, it is the team experiences that are off the court that you um, that you miss the most. Like the competition aspect. You know, I certainly love that. Uh, I hate to lose, and going out there with your guys and putting in so much time and effort. Um, to go out there and compete at the highest level, and, and we were pretty successful at that when we played. So that was tons of fun, but it's going to be so much more like reliving the memories of, of going out with the guys or, or staying in and playing video games. You know, I wasn't quite Russ Smith that stayed up till 5 a.m. playing 2K, but that is part of it, and I did that every once in a while. Um, you know, it, it's definitely going to be the memories you have with your team. A lot of it is traveling just because – you know, when you're on campus and you're pulled so many different directions, you get out of practice and one person has class, one person has treatment, one person has, you know, weightlifting. So you get pulled different directions. But the the travel and the time where you just got to kind of, as a group, 
continue to come together. Um, those are some of the best memories of, of my playing days. Um, and, you know, doing little things with the team, like where they try and do team bonding and stuff like that, I didn't even think that was as impactful as just, you know, being in the dorm, playing whatever video game was hot at the time, you know, going to a pool party, going to, um, you know, going to, to other games, like other students' games, baseball, football, all that stuff was tons of fun. Um, and just learning more about these guys, like you, they really are your brothers when you spend that much time on and off the court and you do it in such a focused way where you're trying to achieve something. You know, once you are able to have that bond with your guys, that, that, that camaraderie just never goes away. Well, look, I'm looking forward for you guys uh, to get that. I know uh, I almost uh, – I, I... He, he wasn't here by the time he got to the office uh, today, but I didn't get to give Diener a hard time because he actually said this morning on the show they should put an MOP banner up for Luke. And I was like, Drew, they already did that. But that's that's up there, man. I uh, kind of wanted to give him a, a hard time on that. But like, have you guys talked t- just sort of amongst yourselves about the recognition and maybe how it seems to be sort of uh, resonating with the other guys, the fact that they are doing this? Well, I'll, I'll back you up. We're definitely going to have to give Mr. Diener some grief on that. <laughs> um, but, you know, I haven't really talked to the guys about what specifically um, is going up and what that means to them or how they feel about it. Um, I plan to do that this weekend. Um, everything I hear, people are, are just really positive on the experience. And I, I heard the intro, so I'll, I'll reference, you know, even when you texted me early on, I think you did have some trepidation about how, this would be received as a whole because it's not it, don't don't get it twisted right i'm, I'm in the yeah. same boat of this is not what we played for this is not what we won um it, i'm not even going to call it putting a band-aid on it like I, I just hope that this does not mean that the university is going to stop fighting for the actual championship that we won but i do think it's nice that they're doing something that they tried something um i didn't realize that this rule changed in 1990. I don't know why that year is, uh, is that important, but the fact that um, if you had a banner taken down prior to 1990, it can stay up. But if you had a championship taken away after 1990, that that, that has to come down. I actually didn't know that. I didn't either. Um, but, you know, yeah, I guess you, you learn something new every day. Uh, but, um, you know, again, I'm, I'm very positive on what the university's done. Can't wait to share in the experience with my teammates. Um, and see where everybody is and how everybody's doing. Social media keeps you like connected with people, but it's still not like the face-to-face, sure. you know, conversations, getting to hug these guys and and that kind of thing. So, really looking forward to that. Uh, but just haven't been able to uh, to connect just yet with all the guys and see how they're feeling. But I, I have to imagine it's going to be pretty positive. As far as you know, you know about uh, this weekend and the events and that sort of thing. And we did have a texture who wants to know, like, are there any kind of like autograph signing or anything like that that's planned, or is it just going to be just sort of the game and the recognition that sort of thing? Um, I, we did not plan an autograph signing. Okay. Um, I'm sure, knowing those guys, that they're going to be very willing to sign um, things if people are there uh, at the game. Um, you know, nothing, nothing set in stone. But um, I'm sure you'll be able to catch those guys, and a lot of them are going to be involved with the TBT uh, that's coming this summer. So we're going to plan a bunch of fun events to get fans out for stuff like that. Um, but, you know, a uh, mass majority of guys are going to be at the game, so that's, that's going to be a ton of fun. I know that uh, you, made, you already said it, but like this, this season not going the way uh, that any of us would have wanted it to, and so it's going to sort of change our postseason viewing. 
expectations and schedules and all that sort of thing. So I'm kind of curious that with with Louisville, you know, barring a miracle not being a factor here in these postseason d- discussions here, what do you what are you maybe most looking forward to, or most interested in seeing sort of down the stretch here, both in the ACC and and overall uh, come postseason now for college basketball? Well, you must be one of those haters because uh, they did just run Miami pretty close this past weekend. That's true. Um, no, I I, uh, I fully get what you're saying. Um, I'm most excited to see kind of just the run to the ACC tournament and who can who looks comfortable in the tournament atmosphere. Because um, I'm talking to Boozer and I'm talking to Joel Berry and just kind of what the the tournament is like based on their practice schedules and things like that. And both of them practice dramatically less. I know this is going to be shocking for you here, but dramatically less than we did, where it did start to take a toll on those guys and their bodies having to play multiple nights in a row, um, where I, I kind of have always said that I thought it was like time off being playing in the tournament because I didn't have to go to practice. So <laughs> seeing who is going to you know be able to thrive in that environment, Virginia Tech obviously did last year getting hot, um, but you know can a team like NC State, can they hold it together long enough with a center like DJ Burns and make enough shots where they can make a deep run? Because I think they are uber-talented. Miami, the same thing. Um, are, are some of these teams that are kind of floating around in the middle like a Wake Forest or a Virginia Tech going to make a run? Um, I'm also just excited to see how Pitt and Clemson close out the season. Hmm. You know, they've been so good so far. Pitt's, you know, swept Carolina, beat Virginia, beat Miami, beat NC State. Like that, that's pretty unbelievable. I'm sorry, they didn't beat uh, Virginia, but those other teams they beat, so are they going to be able to make a great run? Uh, and then, you know, Carolina and Duke are always going to get a lot of attention. They haven't looked great. And so are those four uh, returners from Carolina, those four starters coming back, are they going to be motivated by the tournament experience the way that they were last year? And then with Duke, you know, they, they haven't played like a, a consistent starting lineup and a rotation the whole season right guys are injured coming in and out they're trying to protect certain guys and and see what other guys can do so there's so much um in these next six or seven games for teams that i'm still waiting to see and then ultimately how do they they respond to the tournament atmosphere is going to be huge so um as far as this weekend's games i'm probably most excited for sunday to see carolina nc state because hmm. i know how much hatred is there uh but there are a bunch of good games this weekend yeah, I think I saw uh, that the NC State's last road game, wherever hotel they stayed in, that the Wi-Fi password was like UNC twenty three or something like that. Like just the, the trolling never ends uh, between uh, yep. those those Carolina schools. Look, you mentioned uh, the Miami game, and since you and I have not really had much of a chance to sort of chop that up uh, much at all, I feel like that's sort of the ultimate. Uh, if you're looking for positives, there were positives. If you're looking for negatives, there were certainly negatives in that one too. But overall. I mentioned this yesterday. You remember Chris Mack saying that um, I think it was the second exhibition game. He's like, Malik Williams told on himself. Now I know he can do a lot more. And I wonder if maybe that game doesn't have sort of the same message to it. Like, hey, guys, we're actually – if everyone does what they're supposed to do, we we could do this offensively. We're allowed to do this every game. Do you think maybe you can at least take some confidence away from that? Well, certainly, you're going to take a ton of confidence away from going down to Coral Gables and competing the way you did. Um, you shot the ball at a high enough clip to win the game. Uh, you rebounded well enough to win the game. You know, your turnovers were just a little too high, and it was the type of turnovers that really hurt them. And then I, I thought they fouled just a little too much. Um, 
but you take away a tremendous amount from that game realizing that you can compete because you know you need multiple guys to play well on the same night for this team to have a chance to compete and they haven't had it all come together yet now Jalen Withers is shooting the ball great right now he had a great game L. Ellis obviously had a fantastic game yeah. and so did Kamari Lands so to me you're gaining even more confidence because you know JJ Trainer didn't play great Mike James was just okay uh, Sid didn't play great you didn't have a, a great five presence even though I thought Roosevelt Wheeler uh, was really solid when he got in there and provided some energy. I imagine the the kick in the butt from Okorafor taking minutes from him, having been here for three weeks, has probably eaten him up a little bit, which is a great thing. Um, so you had three guys play well, and you competed with a team like that on the road. That should give you so much confidence. you got to have four or five guys playing well, but you can compete. Um, you got to take care of the basketball. You can't have the type of turnovers that they've had foul a little bit less, and you, and you have a real chance to beat Miami at Miami. And, and that is, you know, a huge feat right now in the ACC. So a uh, long answer there, but certainly taking away confidence. No question. Uh, Louisville's going to play uh, Virginia tomorrow night. I think there is some hope. Maybe uh, Hunley Hatfield will be back in the lineup. I know he's been back practicing. Uh, maybe could have tried to go against Miami, but I think there's a feeling that he will be able to play in this one. Uh, we know what it's like, generally speaking, to play Virginia, but teams change a lot now. So you sort of your your feelings on this version of Virginia because they look like a buzzsaw again, man. Yeah, man, this is the thing. You don't have a big personnel difference from last year to this year, but you have a couple pieces that have opened up the floor and made everybody much better. You know, Ben Vanderplas, uh, McNeely coming off the bench, those shooters have changed the dynamic. Um, Virginia's got the ability to play a couple different styles. If they have to go small ball and they need to score more points, Jaden Gardner plays the five, Ben Vanderplas plays the four, things kind of open up, and their offenses looked really good. Armand Franklin's getting shots, Reese Beekman and Kihei Clark are getting in the paint um, and creating opportunities for themselves and others. So, I mean, it's kind of plug and place right now with, with bringing in these new guys, and it's opened things up. Um, so, offensively, they're at a much higher clip than they were last year, and they're still that same level of defense. And, you know, for a super veteran team like they had last year to embrace playing in the NIT and go play three games, they did an overseas trip where they play a ton of basketball, and it's a great coming-together um, experiment for teams. And then to get to this season, I just was not shocked at all to see them have this much success. I thought the defense might be a little better and the offense might be a little worse. But all in all, this is a very, very good Virginia team. If they're shooting it at a high clip, they've already shown you they can beat Baylor, Illinois, ran Houston really close. You know, they, they can beat the best teams in the country. These guys are really, really good. Luke, I, I'm not, I swear to God, I'm not trolling when I tell you this, but they are out of the 300s on offense and defense. Uh, Louisville is now as looking at Ken Palm. Like it, it actually is a fairly marginal improvement uh, for these guys. Do you see some some buds of things that you can work with? Like I know it's it's slow. It's later than we wanted them to get there. All the negative qualifiers. I get it, guys. You don't have to remind me. But do you see some things that you could work with here? No, there's just no doubt. I mean, come on. If you're if you're saying you haven't seen any improvement, you're not watching games, and you haven't been watching games all season. Like, I, I know, I've told everybody, I'm a little biased because I like KP. He's in a former player club that I'm going to support. And, you know, they certainly are not playing great basketball, but you get a win this month, 
You play Florida State to three points. You have a bad night against Pittsburgh, and then you do that against Miami. That's dramatically better than what we saw to start the season. Dramatically better. Uh, I think you're honestly not paying attention if, if you're if you don't agree with that. Um, you know, Louisville has looked much better in terms of rebounding the basketball. They have taken care of the ball better than they were. Now it's still bad, but they are taking care of the ball better. Guys look more confident when they're stepping into jump shots. That comes from repetition and work in the gym. Um, you know, they, they're, they look like a more together group out there. And if they can just take away the bad, crazy runs that teams go on and the live ball turnovers that lead to just the easiest shots on the other end, they can compete with the bottom half of the league, certainly. And that's not, that's not the case early on. They, they have certainly improved to get to that point. Well, you like, I guess, between this and Clemson, you know, you're talking about two of the teams at the top of the standings in the ACC here in these next two games this week. What, uh, what do you, what do you think their chances are in in either of those games, uh, and maybe what they would have to do to to sort of flip the script in either one of those games? Because it's tough. Yeah, I'll, I'll start by saying those are two really good basketball teams. Uh, a Clemson team that people may look at and say, well, they're not that great because they did this and this and this. Well. You know, they've had a lot of injuries to deal with. Chase Hunter uh, was out for a, for a little bit. Uh, Brevin Galloway with his, uh, I'll say, lower body injury uh, was out for, I think, five games. Um, Alex Hemingway's just coming back. So th- th- their team is, hasn't even been a very together group most of the season. They're getting better and they're getting healthier. That's a scary thing for Clemson. Virginia's the number seven team in the country. I'm going to start uh, ringing the bell to say, they sure look like a one seed. You can keep hating on the ACC all you want, but I see number six go down, and I see number seven go down. I see who's in the top four or five. Anybody in the top ten, for whatever reason, the metrics don't like UVA, but they keep on winning, don't have any bad losses. Like They're a team that can compete at the highest level. They've beaten some of the best teams in the country. I think they're going to be a one seed when it's all said and done because I think they rattle off uh, the rest of the way home and win the regular season for the ACC. Um, and then Clemson, they've, they've kind of been at the top of the ACC the whole season. You have to find a way to slow down the big three. And in my eyes, you got to attack one of those guys. I think Hunter Tyson is that guy. I like the matchup with Jalen Withers. He's strong enough. He's big enough. He's quick enough to defend him. It's about the are you going to focus in on the game plan? Are you going to do everything you can to take him specifically out of the game and maybe give up some things to some other guys? Uh, but regardless, both teams have tons of weapons. Both teams can score. Both teams are tough in terms of not letting you score. So Louisville needs multiple guys to play well. Their defense has to be there, and they cannot turn the ball over, giving up the easy ones. Both these teams will – they don't necessarily force you into those turnovers. They kind of let you make mistakes, and then they penalize you big for them. So, um, And then the last thing, if you're playing Clemson – can't give up offensive rebounds because they'll make you play defense for 30 seconds, get an offensive rebound, and you just go back to playing 30 more seconds of defense. And that, number one, wears you out. But number two, crushes your mental. So takes confidence away. Like they they got to find a way to get over that hump. Luke, do you think we could sneak you into the game on Saturday in an Aiden McCool jersey? Yeah, uh, just let me know before so I can shave and I'll look like a totally different person. <laughs> All right. Luke, man. Congratulations again. I'm glad that you guys are going to get some recognition uh, this weekend, and hopefully it's the first in a, in a process uh, that ultimately results in you guys getting what you deserve, which is what you've already earned.
I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much, Mark. Look forward to getting in there with you soon, buddy. All right. Luke Hancock, he's going to be super busy uh, between now and uh, the end of the season with the ACC Network. So good stuff from him. I know immediately the texts are flying in. He said, get a win this month, and you guys all freaked out. I know. I know. I tried to say all the negative qualifiers but ahead of time. You don't have to remind us of this, guys. I got The only thing that I that has begun to just like make me like I get goosebumps in a, in the worst ways. We don't have to act like it's Groundhog Day, right? We're, we're we're fresh mad like it just happened every day. I get it. I get it. Just looking for baby steps wherever they are. This is where we are. I recognize that nobody enjoys this. I'm not enjoying it. It doesn't make for super fun radio. Trust me. I wish we were saying other things. I've done shows with teams in much bit uh, different positions than this one. This can't end fast enough this year. I understand. Luke understands that. But I would like him to get a win this month, for crying out loud. Nothing wrong with saying that. Let's take a, a quick break here. We'll get uh, a little bit better in-depth view of uh, what Louisville's up against with Virginia tomorrow night, Carolyn Darney of USA Today, and a number of other outlets, SB Nation and such. On the other side here, on the drive on a Thunderbolt. Be right back. Metro College is a program that helps students pay for tuition, and I didn't believe it. You have to work third shift, five days a week. It's a great and rewarding thing when you graduate. I would do it all over again, just like I just did. You know those buddies who magically become medical professionals when you're not at the top of your game? The ones who say, Come on, muscle through it. But then also say, Hey, you should probably see my specialist. Or surgery or pain meds. It's almost always false, false, and false. Athletico's physical therapists, the same therapists who work with professional athletes, can tackle those little aches and pains from the start, before they become big ones. So next time, don't believe everything you hear. Instead, start with Athletico. Schedule your free assessment at athletico.com. You're listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis. Welcome back into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. On a Tuesday, Louisville going to face Virginia tomorrow night. That's never pleasant for us, but what is pleasant for us is anytime we can talk with Caroline Darney with uh, USA Today and, and one of a long line of wonderful people who can describe themselves as formerly of SB Nation. We share that, uh, Caroline. It's good to talk to you. How are you? I'm good. How are you? What a lovely intro. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. All right, Caroline, I think the, the question that's on everyone's uh, minds as Louisville gets ready to play uh, Virginia tomorrow night is, how is Kihei Clark still in school, and and what possible degree could he be working on that he's still allowed to be playing this far into his career? Yeah, it's, it's crazy that someone that played alongside Ralph Sampson still has eligibility. <laughs> so cool to see him. He's thriving. Um, he's got the NIL deals going on. So, yeah, it's, I think uh, his performance this season is probably even better case than the most optimistic of Kihei fans could have hoped for. Um, he's turned into, honestly, I think kind of a superstar. He's not going to make any, he won't make like first team all ACC. He might actually be one that should be in the discussion and a long shot type thing, but he's just played really well this season. And they're one of the reasons that they're in the top 10. You know, I know that people sort of think about Tony Bennett and early on, we're talking about a guy who ended up redshirting a lottery pick, you know, at one point, but college basketball's kind of yeah. changed a lot 
in the last couple of years. And and his way of doing things, sort of slowly bringing guys along and development and redshirting and all that sort of thing, sort of seems to have kind of gone out the window. And I'm sure he's had to adjust at least a little bit. What can you tell us about how he's handling the the era of NIL and, and immediate eligibility in the portal and all that sort of thing and maybe how things have changed for him? Yeah, it's been a crazy change because, like you mentioned, it's been a process for Virginia. They bring in four-year guys that I think after the national championship of 2019, having Guy, Hunter, and Jerome all leave, like, throws a wrench in that. Of course, you absolutely take that if it's because of a national championship. Right. You're like, no problem. That's fine. Um, but then coupled with almost immediately the pandemic that affected, you know, both availability and then the one-time trade, all the stuff you just mentioned. So uh, you've seen last season when they struggled, you had two guys coming in from the transfer portal that played pretty well or relatively well in Armand Franklin and Jane Gardner. Armand Franklin is honestly one of the biggest pieces for this team this season, not just because he's improved his three-point shooting, but because he's able to get to the rim and has been a really good one-on-one defender, which I think has been a little overlooked. But then you look at Ben Vanderplas coming in, who's a guy that I think some people were kind of like, I don't know how he fits a role here. Isn't the front court still a little crowded? Like, what are we doing? And so it's been challenging, I think, for a lot of coaches, especially when you look at someone like Tony Bennett that does have a system he likes to run and bring people in and teach them defense. Um, but he's also relied on a couple first years. Um, Nate Ryan Dunn has been just the kind of fun spark that everyone is the fans are always clamoring for more minutes. And then you have McNeely, who's shooting 42% from three um, and has kind of like early Kyle Guy vibes, but with a more ready physique, if you will, for his first year. Um, so it's been challenged, but it's still guys are developing in the system. And so it's this weird combo. It'll be really interesting to see what happens next year um, without Kihei because he's been, been around for a while, as you mentioned. Um, but yeah, it's been it's a different look for how Virginia's like set up their roster. Uh, we're talking with Caroline Darney, USA uh, Today, and our resident uh, Virginia expert uh, about this game that Louisville's going into tomorrow. Now, let's talk a little bit about Virginia's last game, this game against Duke, uh, and all of the controversy. I felt like, and you can tell me if you think I'm crazy for saying this or not, but <laughs> there's no way that happens if Coach K is there. And I, it, in a weird way for me, it felt like kind of an acknowledgement that like Tony Bennett's the bigger fish here now. Am I crazy for thinking that? Um, I think there's potentially some of that. I honestly think more of it was like, they got to the monitor and were like, oh, the guy we called it on maybe didn't really touch him, so how about we just say that it was after the buzzer? Uh, but, I, I mean, like, yeah, honestly, I don't see a world in which that goes that way if Kay is still standing on the sidelines. I don't know necessarily that I'm ready to say, like, it's because they're like, well, Tony Bennett's here, and these are the calls that Tony Bennett gets. <laughs> um, but it does feel... You know, even fa- even folks that were like, yeah, that was a foul, but I don't have a lot of tears for Duke. Like, because the, <laughs> the number of calls that Duke has potentially or maybe everyone, it seems like, has a memory of one specific instance in which a call at the end of the game went one way that benefited Duke and your team lost. Um, so I don't know that the uh, sympathy well was super deep, um, but, yeah, it's. I think the important thing – heading into tomorrow night's game is Virginia. I think from talking to Tony Bennett on Monday at the media call, it seems as though, and easier to do when you've won, but it seems Virginia put it behind them. Like that game was over. 
it's on to Louisville. Louisville's played much better in the last four games than earlier in the season. And this is a game that you absolutely cannot lose if you're looking at it as a top-10 team. I don't think that's a game that would necessarily cost them. It's not going to cost them the tournament or anything like that. But um, you can't let all the controversy and the discussion and the back and forth and the, oh, was he fouled? No, they cost Duke the game, even though it went to overtime. So I'm not sure how that's the argument we're using. Um, But you can't let that roll into this week and, and distract players even further. Yeah, I'm kind of curious what what the messaging is, and I've been kind of trying to pay attention to the way the different ways coaches and players have talked about preparing for a team that's statistically real bad, uh, and and sort of how you motivate a team. I've got the feeling, for instance, when Louisville played Pitt this last time, and it was so unbelievably lopsided, the Pitt was like, whatever happens, we can't afford to lose this game. So it's not necessarily being up. It's more like we can't let the worst thing in the world happen to us and lose this game if we're going to be a tournament team. What are you hearing in terms of messaging and preparation, that sort of thing, Virginia talking about Louisville and what they think they're up against? Yeah, and I think, well, the first thing you look at is the way Jalen Withers has been shooting the three ball. Um, I think that's going to get any, you know, and Bennett mentioned him again on Monday in the press where he's just like, hey, you got to like, you gotta pay attention to this guy. He's shooting the best in the ACC. Like, in ACC play, Jalen Withers has the best three-point shooting percentage. Like, that's always going to stand out, especially the way that Virginia runs the defense. And, you know, if you if you work the ball around enough, you can find threes, um, and you have to hit those to beat Virginia. Um, I think in regards to the bigger picture type thing, and this is, you know, Virginia's got themselves in a good situation. They do not control their own destiny to, like, finish atop the standings. They need Pitt to lose since Pitt had that head-to-head matchup earlier in the season on the road. Um, But Virginia kind of made it through this really difficult stretch that had, you know, away games at Syracuse and Virginia Tech. They dropped that Virginia Tech game. Um, and then had home games against a ranked NC State and Duke, which is always going to get people's attention. Now they head into a stretch that's Louisville, Notre Dame, Boston College, North Carolina, Clemson, Louisville to end the season. You can look at that and say, okay, that's mostly the bottom half of the ACC plus a UNC team that looks lost in the water Mm. and a Clemson that probably isn't as good as the first half of the schedule should like you know maybe led people to believe but that's an easy way to if you're not focused on any one of those games like that's a bad loss um and i don't if you have you know ambitions of winning the acc regular season which is a thing people it's a thing (laughs) (laughs) um and then you know seeding for the acc tournament winning an acc tournament and then obviously the big picture is making as far as you can in the postseason um then you can't mess around. Virginia's kind of sitting in that two, three seed range, which honestly I think is probably better than trying to get, you know, I don't, for, for looking at it, Virginia purposes, you probably don't want a one or a four, like that two, three line is probably a pretty nice spot to be. Um, you don't want this stretch of playing the 295 team twice, 184 and 192. Like you can't mess that up. So I think that's where the pressure might come in for Virginia at this point in the season. We're talking with Caroline Darney USA today about uh, Virginia, Louisville's opponent tomorrow night, whether any of us like it or not. Uh, Carol, <laughs> the only loss for Virginia recently was that Virginia Tech game. You just mentioned it a second ago at Virginia yeah. Tech. What did they do uh, that, that Syracuse, North Carolina, Florida State, Wake Forest, Boston College, Syracuse, NC State do, could not do uh, in beating Virginia? What was different about that one? Well, um, it's a weird one. That's like one of those weird rivalry games. 
Um, it just felt as though Virginia just didn't shoot it great. They shot 44% from the field, 33% from three, which doesn't sound as terrible. You know, they only had seven turnovers, nothing real weird that stands out on the stat sheet, but defensively, um, in part, and this is huge. I am a, I'm actually a very big, um, coach young fan. I think he's an excellent coach and I was very annoyed when they hired them, hired him. At <laughs> he's a great addition to the ACC. Uh, the actions that they ran offensively um, were really good. And one of the things that worked really, really well against both Filipowski and DJ Burns um, was when they doubled against those teams, they had a, had some. it was a really good outcome. <laughs> Justin Mutz is really a really good passer, um, and Virginia Tech was very prepared for how they were going to run their action coming off of the double team coming in. And so that actually, I think, helped Virginia prepare better for NC State and Duke because they saw how where they were, you know, where they got eaten alive in the paint there. Um, but Virginia Tech shot 57% from two. And then it was just a couple big shots down the stretch. I know Grant Basile had like a really big three late um, and, you know, just a couple of those big plays that that made the difference um you know nothing nothing stands out like the horrible free throw shooting they had against duke which is actually not hasn't been the case for most of the season so it was just a terrible time time to do that but Uh, i don't know if you've noticed but louisville is exceptionally good at giving the ball away and i I did yeah it's kind of hard to miss I uh, and I'm hoping that that you're going to tell me that this year's version of Virginia is actually real bad at forcing turnovers but I think you're going to tell me just the opposite like what are we in for there well it's it's an interesting <laughs> <laughs> they uh they're in the top 75 when it comes to like steal percentage um and turnover percentage is it's only it, they do well you know 20 percent. that's not too bad um so it's right around you know when you look at the turnover percentage for the louisville offense i think it sits at 23 percent right now and virginia's defense is forcing 20 percent turnover so uh, that could be a problem um <laughs> it, it's just because part of it is again what i was talking about like the double teams and stuff the back side of the defense especially in the last couple games has looked so much sharper and I've been beating this drum for a year now, at least a year plus now, but Reese Beekman and his vision is just incomparable. I think he got robbed last year with not getting defensive player of the year with, you know, Mark Williams was a great defense. Was it Mark Williams? There's Williams for yeah. you. Yeah. Um, great defender, excellent blocker, but a liability in the pick and roll. And if you have to bench a guy when someone's running a specific offense, he's not the defensive player of the year. <laughs> Tell that to our so friends I- in Lexington. That's what they deal with with Sheboy all the time. Like that's just I'm sorry. Like you can be a good blocker and not be the best defender. I'm, I will I will never get off of this this podium. Um, but I think that's something that Reese has just amped it up. I do look at you know when you have a guy like Kihei who's I don't know if you've heard he's a little bit shorter. Um, you wonder who he matches up against when you're looking at the starting lineup, and and you do have a lot of the height differential for. Louisville's there, so I don't know if you want to put Kihei on an L. Ellis. I don't think that ends well. Um, but who else do you put Kihei on? So those are the things that will be crucial. Um, especially then again, I look at Jalen Withers and his ability to stretch the you know stretch out and take threes. Um, Virginia's been playing small ball, which is the other thing that I think could cause problems with those turnovers. 
um, like enforcing them because they, they just have length um, and a little bit more speed when they don't have the really big, big guys in the middle. So I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I, I will say like, I, you get a little nervous and you look at the, how many they put up 83 points or something like that against Miami. Yeah. 85. That's a lot. Um, so Louisville can score. They just, that's a new development, too, by the way. We'll see if they can maintain that uh, against Virginia. Yeah. Last one before I let you go uh, here, Colin. Can we flip over to football for just a second here? We're, we're all about to enter the, the, the brave new world of having no divisions in the ACC. Uh, I know you're going to be in year two. Year one did not go uh, particularly well, and it just sort of seemed like nobody liked each other uh, last year. And I'm kind of curious what the mood is there around uh, the football program with, with a heavy amount of turnover and kind of the important places, the, the folks that we know at Virginia and, and maybe what the expectations are right now, at least heading into year two. Yeah. yeah it's uh it's not, you know, like it's a little bleak. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, the combination of, you know, not having the on-field success and then having to deal with the off-field tragedies and, and mm-hmm. mixing the two and, and coming to terms with like the next time you step on the field, it's going to be very different. Um, and, you know, you see just the transfers out expected. Um, you know, it's one of those, like, you saw Olu, Oluwatimi, who had a chance at a national championship for Michigan, and that's awesome to see. Like, that's, I'm, one of those, I'm one of those people that when we cover the team, and, you know, I'll be rooting for Brennan Armstrong harder than probably anyone else. Hmm. And, you know, Nick Jackson going to Iowa. Um, but that said, those are a couple names that were – huge for Virginia last year, even if it wasn't the same type of um, offensive production we saw out of Brennan Armstrong. Um, obviously, you've got some turnover in um, the wide receiver coach position with Marcus Hagan going out to Penn State. Um, and so, you know, Dontavian Wicks is gone. And so you, you kind of look like where, you know, what is the team going to look like? Um, I think it's going to be uh, a tough season. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Schedule-wise, if I'm remember, well, actually schedule-wise, I was like, you know, it's not too bad. They didn't get, you know, Clemson, or but they do open with Tennessee. Oh, fun. And, oh, what a good time. Yeah. And uh, get JMU the next week, um, which is the actual best football team in the state of Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be, uh, I think, tough sledding perhaps for at least this season, maybe another one. Um, we'll see what the quarterback situation looks like. They had to transfer in from um, – Tony Musket, which is a fun name. So that is a fun like name. That. I agree. Yeah, and uh, then we'll see what. Uh, um, of course, I'm going to have all these names in my head. Uh, Jay Wolfolk, who is also they are trying to figure out how they're going to balance um, football and baseball because he's a predicted starting pitcher for the baseball team, which is uh, supposed to be pretty good. Are you at least yeah. mildly comforted by the fact that Virginia Tech is worse? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of how. No, I mean, it's, it's also at the same time, it all stinks. Like, it's obviously way more fun when it, it's the same thing. Like, as much as it's the Schadenfreude of like enjoying Duke or UNC being not very good, but it, things are way more fun when a ranked Duke comes to town and it's a big matchup. It's a lot more fun when you know those games that Virginia and Louisville played that were you know on for basketball that were ranked ranked matchups. Um, yeah, so. we miss it too. Trust me. I know. Sorry, I started saying it. And I was like, "This is meant to be a compliment." I know, what you mean. I know. But, um, but yeah. So it'll be. We'll see what happens someday. God, I just like sighed right yeah. into the microphone. That's terrible. <laughs> All right, Carolyn, thank you so much uh, for the time. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, we'll do this again soon. Here, Caroline Darney, USA Today. Thanks so much. All right, good stuff uh, from from her. We're in for it. We are in for it uh, yet again uh, with this one.
uh, it's it's a chore. I mean, it's always a chore playing Virginia anyway. Uh, I don't understand how Kia Clark can still be there, uh, but he is. Uh, it was interesting to hear from an opponent perspective that it does it does sound like Jalen Withers has I think sort of landed on the radars of of some other teams. I think in terms of the the scouting report on how teams are going to play against Louisville, starting with uh, Virginia. Uh, I think the offensive performance against Miami did get some people's attention. Uh, and, and I would hope, above all else, that they'll at least take the floor with some confidence having played the way that they did. You know, they didn't win the game, I know. But that that was an excellent offensive performance against a, a bona fide top 25 tournament team. And they... Uh, maybe maybe that part of it will at least sort of be a proof of concept for them. You know, like, hey, you know you can do this. And this was, you know, four guys in double figures, and obviously L. Ellis uh, had uh, a great game. It is interesting that Jalen Withers is de- beginning to kind of develop this stretch four reputation uh, with this team. I don't know that I, w- I really thought about him like that, especially because of that retro freshman year where he had to play center, you know, as an undersized guy. But he does look different shooting the ball to me than he did at the beginning of the year. Like his body language is much more confident uh, shooting the ball than it was at the beginning of the year. And I it can't help but think, like I wonder how different things might be if he really shot the ball this confidently all year. But it's here, and that's really, I think, unfortunately, the, the thing that frustrates you about this team is the fact that everything we're talking about is stuff that's arriving about eight weeks too late. You know, they've got problems in February that they should have been able to solve in November. You know, they got they have problems in November that they should have solved over the summer. I have to tell you, I had a uh, slate is working on something about the uh, this Louisville basketball team and just sort of a how did it get here uh, to the state that it's in now. So I did a you know sit down with the reporter that's doing that story, and when I started telling the story, I was like, holy crap! The amount of stuff that's happened around here in the last I don't know seven six seven years uh the number of players involved the factions that have developed the uh blood sport of like politics stuff going back and forth the governor and boards of trustees and uh boosters supporting this person or that person or whatever it's it's i'd like to be bored for a little while it's like i was joking with streamble a while back like back in football season where it's like you guys have now gone 10 years without doing any type of coaching search radio because Stoops has been there that long. Cal's been there now. Welcome to Coaching Search Radio because they all hate Cal Perry now. But it's like, it'd be nice if we could have a coach here. For, like, we had Patino, or not Patino. Yeah, Patino and Crum were here for, what, 30, 40 years and no coaching turnover. And now we've had three, four coaches within the six years since. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I wish we could go back to, like you said, boring. It's like we don't do coaching search radio every day. Yeah, I want off the floor boring, I guess, uh, to be clear. You know, I, I have um, I have a vision in my head. I don't want to say I have a dream. I have a vision in my head. You know, that's not what I'm going for. But I have, you know, a, 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 of not knowing who the hell is on the board of trustees. You know, how many people know? Why do we? Why should we know that? There's no reason to know that. It's like the third assistant coach on the teams. Like we shouldn't know. We don't that. need to know we don't these need to things. Know that. I, I do wish that we could get back to a place where that's. Uh, and maybe we're headed uh, that way, uh, and we can get back to as Carolyn said. Uh, it's kind of. I don't know. Virginia probably feels a little bit weird that 
their peers in the ACC can't seem to get their act together particularly well this year. I did, I did notice one of the things that you constantly hear from Duke and North Carolina snobs on a regular basis about the Louisville Kentucky rivalry is that it you know it's not it's not constantly like top five teams all the time and that sort of thing. I didn't hear a damn word from any of them that they already played once as unranked teams this year. Nothing. And hear one word from them. And ESPN still gave it top billion game day. Didn't, yeah, but it didn't give it like a countdown or nothing like that. You know what I mean? Like there was nothing like there normally is in terms of mouth running uh, from from either group. And I think part of it might do with this no Coach K, no Roy Williams. So it's a new era in the UK or UNC Duke rivalry. But it's still, they're two of the premier programs in college basketball. That I think you'll get back to there at some point, obviously. But I think that's another reason why this year's matchup lost a little bit of lesser was the coaching turnover. I mean, look, there's been, I certainly think that there's been a coaching drain in the ACC. Although, you know, I think when you say that, you know, Jim Laranaga is not Coach K or Roy Williams. I know that. Uh, but, but I mean, Tony Bennett's already got a national championship. And Jim Laranaga's been to a Final Four. And he's a very good coach. And Miami is good. Uh, but, you, you know, you're about to lose Mike Bray, too. You know, who's uh, at least retiring from, from Notre Dame uh, after uh, this season. They're going to have to make a good hire there. And there has been some, like, you just don't auto-replace two of the best to ever do it. And I think their teams kind of reflect that right now. But I also think we're kind of entering this phase where you're just going to have more variance year to year. I don't really know that anybody's going to be able to maintain top five-ish teams every single year. With how much everyone seems to be leaning on the portal now, I don't really know that you're going to be able to have top five, top ten teams every single year. Just because you're just not going to be able to have the permanence of things that sort of allow you to never fall below a certain level. The rosters are just going to change so much. But, you know, at the same time, coaches can learn. They can grow. Like, maybe you get to a place where you can sort of figure out how to do this on a more regular basis. I mean, Jeff's doing pretty well. And we're going to talk with Jeff in about five minutes uh, here on the other side of this break. Uh, But Jeff's uh, doing pretty well handling transfers. But, again, it's not automatic. Uh, maybe the game changes in that way, but the ACC certainly could use uh, a little bit of a lift uh, right now from a number of programs around uh, the conference. All right, hour number one in the books, Jeff Walls on the other side here on The Drive on I Thunder.